Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to Power Suits and Pillow Talk, where professional success meets personal liberation. I'm Jen Koken, and alongside me is the extraordinary Lori Handlers. In each episode, we journey into the duality of modern women who want to conquer corporate barriers by day and dispel bedroom myths by night. We celebrate these powerhouse women, the ones who are redefining success professionally and personally. Join us for an exciting exploration into empowerment, breaking boundaries, and unabashedly embracing all facets of womanhood. Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Power Suits and Pillow Talk. I'm Laurie Handlers. And I'm Jen Koken. And we're your hosts of this show, this show that we love doing so much. We have so much fun. Today, we have a wonderful guest, Dr. Amanda Tracy, who is a naturopathic doctor in Massachusetts. And I think you're going to enjoy this, especially if you're perimenopausal, about to be perimenopausal, or just coming through it and you're on some side of menopause. Or I you know to... somebody. You right. know somebody that is perimenopausal, soon to be menopausal, is perimenopausal or <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm on the other side of menopausal, but I but it doesn't mean that I don't still get hot flashes and what have you. And Same later thing. in the show I'll talk about some interesting stuff that happened more recently. But uh, l- welcome to the show, Amanda. It's so good to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Laurie and Jen. I'm really excited to be here and, and share what I know about perimenopause and menopause. Wonderful. First, tell us a little bit about uh, naturopathic medicine. Well, before pe- she, I, I have to point out something because people can't see it because they're listening, but she has this t shirt on that says, perimenopause is for pussies and we love that you showed up in that t-shirt because you're our kind of people now you can talk about doctory <laughs> stuff i just had to point out the t-shirt sure, yes i am a doctor with a little bit of a sense of humor and i like to show my personal side sometimes too so and i think that actually segues great into what a naturopathic doctor is and naturopathic medicine because we blend the best the best of both worlds i like to say i yes I am medically trained as a doctor. I went to Bastyr University and I was, we are trained to be holistic primary care doctors in that system. And so we have the medical training and we use evidence-based therapies and we're familiar with pharmaceuticals and counter-interactions of uh, pharmaceuticals and herbs. And then that's the other holistic side is naturopathic doctors are trained in holistic medicine. So at the forefront that starts with treating the person as a whole, even if someone comes to see you for 
hot flashes or headaches, you, we still spend a lot of time talking about their diet and their digestive health and their sleep habits and their whole health as a whole, instead of just focusing on the symptoms, because we really do like to treat the cause of what's going on for long lasting health. And so naturopathic good. doctors do that in multiple ways. We, you know, we can use nutrition, we can use herbal medicine, we can use hormone therapy. It really tailored, is tailored to the individual and what they need. Love that them. is so good. I love it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've looked at uh, allopathic medicine for a long time and have thought there's only two things that allopathic doctors know how to do, prescribe and cut. They mm. do that really well. They prescribe well and they cut really mm -hmm. well, but they don't. But I'm not just a throat. I'm not just a vagina. I'm not just a breast. I'm I'm a person. And if you know more about me and the whole being, which is where holistic, the word even holistic came from, then you you have a better sense of how to individually treat me rather than I'm just a number in a thing in a line of throats. Yeah. <laughs> right. And unfortunately, our system has evolved in a way, our conventional medical system that you have the practitioners or the doctors, they just that's the only option that they have is to prescribe or cut because they have to see 30 throats that day or 50 throats. They don't have time to ask you about your throat condition, how it may relate to allergies or an emotional trauma. They right. have seven minutes. And that's just our systems cut set up that oh. way. So I'm glad I'm practicing outside that system. And that's part of the reason that drew me towards naturopathic medicine when I was an undergrad studying biochemistry. It was the late 90s. And that's really when the pharmaceutical industry was exploding with Lipitor and a few other big drugs that came out. And I could just see it in my colleagues in my pre-med classes that they were really focusing on disease and and these treatments in that way. And I really was drawn to medicine more on the healing aspects and the nutritional aspects. And so that's how I took a step back and went into research for a few years. And then I found naturopathic medicine. And it wasn't really that I was even into natural health or herbal medicine or had any exposure to that. It was really the core principles of treating the whole person and focusing on health and wellness versus the disease aspect. I Thank love you. That totally separate than vaginas <laughs> but i'll say i had an incurable rash on my hands for like two and a half years you remember this lori because i think i was with you someplace the only way it would go away is if i ran my hands under scalding hot water at 3 a.m i went to every doctor i knew i spent thousands of dollars and i finally reached out to a friend of mine who's a naturopathic doctor just because he's a friend it was 3 a.m i couldn't sleep and i was like what do i do I think he was up because I feel like I got the response right away. And I was thinking, Alan, Alan Weiss, you know, Alan, Lori. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So he, so I reached out to him and I told him what was going on and he comes back to me. He's like, well, make an appointment, but I think it's obvious you have histamine intolerance. I'm like, what are you talking about? I had one <laughs> in the ER twice with my throat closing. No idea why hives up and down my body. I was on two antihistamines. Nothing was making a difference. I go in, I talk with him. He's like, cut these foods out of your system for a year. And we'll gradually, you know, however long till your hands clear up. But it took like four months and my hands totally cleared up. Nothing's ever come back. And I know there's certain foods I can't eat because my body overproduces histamines. And I no longer take two antihistamines that didn't freaking work. Thousands of dollars in pokes on my skin. <laughs> I'm allergic to everything. Okay. But it was what was going on internally. So I love this conversation. Beautiful. Yeah. Alan has actually helped me a lot in my life too. 
So that's amazing. Alan, wherever you are, we're, we're Alan Weiss. We love we're you. Spe we're speaking about you. Dr. Alan Weiss, paging Dr. And, Alan <laughs> So Welcome Amanda. Dr. Amanda yeah, Tracy. <laughs> I love how you got into it. I love where you were focused from the beginning. It seems like that you knew better, you know, than to just go down the rabbit hole of I'm going to prescribe these huge pharmaceuticals. I'm going to look at the whole person, which is, uh, I'm going to just say as in the feminine paradigm anyway. It's like so more uh, inclusive rather than single focused on this is it. This is my career. This is how I'm going to make money. No, no, this is how I'm going to help healing in people. And so thank you and congratulations to you. How many years have you been in practice? I've been in practice about 17 years. I started in 2006. And awesome. I Go ahead. Sorry. I started uh I started my practice in Massachusetts and I was there in a brick and mortar clinic until 2021 and then since then I've moved to California and I've transitioned oh. my practice to be 100% telemedicine. And I see women across the country now. Oh, cool. We'll make sure to include that in the show notes because I'm sure people will listen and say they want to see you. Yeah. So let's talk about your specialties. I, I just will. I'll just say. Um, I went through menopause without any support, without anything. Ditto. Uh, th there was nothing around then except Premarin. I took one pill and I said, I'm not taking this. And so I lived through, you know, heart palpitations, sweating, jumping out of cars, having to go, having to. I heard about a woman once who left, who left her car in the middle of an intersection when she was having hot flashes driving. That was the worst one I ever heard about. But I purposely didn't fly to certain places uh, when I was going through it because I was afraid I would have to jump off the plane. I mean, I just it couldn't it would make me crazy. Um, <laughs> I so, go ahead go ahead finish up yeah so I I just wanted to say I know there's way more for women now there's way more support there's way more uh there's way more things for women to gradually ease into it and I didn't realize that you went through it as as crazily as I did I'm just gonna say I didn't ever want to jump out of a car but I did want to tear off all my clothes and so I you know my mother died of ovarian cancer um, so this knowledge that every doctor has seven minutes, I'm all too well versed in that because I educate women about ovarian cancer and the signs and symptoms. But I had fibroids my whole life. So my cycles were so incredibly heavy. I was put on the pill at like 16 just to regulate that. And after my mom died, I did all the genetic testing. I was fine. But my doc in, I you know, I didn't have any of the markers. And my mother was not BRCA positive, which is the breast cancer gene. Neither, you know, neither was I. My geneticist in Colorado, when I lived there, wanted me to have a hysterectomy. And I think I was mid 40s at the time. And I said, no, I want to go through menopause naturally and then I'll have it done, which is what I attempted to do. Um, and when I finally had my hysterectomy, though, all of a sudden I had more hot flashes, et cetera. And then I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2020. I'm fine now. I'm going to remain fine. But the medication I'm on, anastrozole, also caused night sweats and hot flashes. I learned to take it at night and I moved through the night sweats. I no longer have those. 
I get a hot flash every once in a while. If I drink red wine, I can no longer enjoy red wine, like forget about it. Even rosé at times will cause it. Um, but I did read a statistic, and Amanda, you can tell us, Dr. Tracy, you can tell us if it's true that when a woman has a hot flash, her internal body temperature can raise up to six degrees. That is possible. However, most hot flashes are caused because our temperature perception changes with hormone changes. Oh. So most women's temperature isn't actually changing, internal body temperature changing that much. It's our nervous system overreacts to the smallest changes in temperature that normally it wouldn't register because of lower changing estrogen levels. Not necessarily lower estrogen levels. A lot of women think, or they think menopause equals low estrogen. It's more about how quickly estrogen is changing, which can happen a couple of years around menopause or with starting or stopping a certain medication or hormone therapy. And that like disrupts the signals of our temperature regulation side of our nervous system. Hmm. Women are much more sensitive to changes in temperature. The studies, there have been probably in your corporate world, you've learned this, that women can detect a difference in degree and a half and a half of a degree and men can't it has to be bigger than a degree switch for them to change and that's come into play when they've studies looking at what temperature to keep an office at in, in corporate settings and how um to include women in that and not keep the office too cold basically wow but, um, estrogen has a lot to play a lot a bigger a big role to play in our temperature regulation and other things as well which is like why, why I find perimenopause and menopause so interesting to work with, because it's not just about periods and hot flashes. It's, it has a lot to do with our moods and our memory and focus and heart health and, and gut health, too. Wow. So much. I remember calling my mother and saying, Ma, <laughs> when you went through menopause, did you feel like if you had a gun, you would kill people? And she said, oh, no. And then I called my father. I said, Pop. When mom was going through menopause, do you think if she had a gun, she would have killed people? And he said, oh, yeah. <laughs> See, my mom, had, my mom had passed, so I couldn't ask her, and my aunt doesn't remember. So I have no idea. Like, yeah, she remembers. That's she just thing. doesn't. They just don't talk about it. They didn't talk about it. That Nobody does. Well, now we do. We do. The, the conversation has started to change generation to generation and, and, and so has the therapy options as well. I think part of it was part of the conversation was a couple generations ago, women just didn't talk about it. And then there was a generation where we wanted to talk about it, but the Premarin or the um, synthetic or equine hormones were tried and those I were call it horse to piss. Horse ho piss the horse hormones. pills in many ways. Those are connected to cancer and heart disease. So the study was abruptly stopped and then in 2001, 2003 timeframe. And then we had about 15 years where because of that study failing or showing those risks, they didn't study perimenopause or menopause. They're like, oh, there's no therapies. There's nothing we can do. There was, they weren't just looking into it. So now we have a whole generation, you know, Gen X is going through menopause and perimenopause and wanting to approach it a different way but we're just starting to have some of the research being redone and and more options as far as bioidentical hormones and herbal therapies mm. well we've That's lost a lot wonderful. of wonderful we lost a lot of momentum i think after the women's health initiative um, in that study being stopped because then 
it was, I understand it was difficult to get grant money to go into that area. So the research kind of pivoted away from it, but we lost about 20 years of research time. So, okay. Time yeah. for emotional relief. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then hand screaming. So, hand screaming. Yeah. Tell us about the women that come to you. Well, all right. I have two questions I'm curious about. One, why are you now focused on pussies? And I like saying that word. As my friend said, she's a pussy doc. I'm like, yep, she's a pussy doc. Why that? Why was that so important to you? And then secondly, t talk to us about the women that come to you. Are there commonalities? Is it misunderstanding? What do you, what do you, what are you seeing? Well, the reason that I, that have started decided to focus in perimenopause really goes back to my own health journey because my hormones and periods were always all over the place when they started as a teenager they were all over the place and i would go six months without having a period be told that that was normal you're it's just starting out it, it'll leave it'll you know find its course you know in in a few years and that just never happened it, it just always would come and go for six months at a time. But when I would have it, it would be regular for six months without any other noticeable changes as far as diet or therapies or treatments. And so I really became interested in my own hormone health when I went to naturopathic medical school and really started investigating it there. I, every conventional doctor had told and every test had told me it was fine. I'm normal. They couldn't find anything wrong with me. <laughs> That's all they're looking for. Period. Right. <laughs> so naturopathic medicine really was my path to regulating my own cycle, which I found for me, it was a combination of herbal medicine and stress management and really tra fully transitioning to a plant-based diet. It, my period had gotten better to a certain point, but once I cut out dairy completely, it started to be every month on the full moon you know, no questions through my 30s and into my early 40s. So for my own journey, I was interested in hormone balance. And and then again, even in naturopathic medical school, I felt that women's health was still sort of ignored, again, because we don't have as much research in, in that area. And all of my student colleagues that were interested in female health or women's health. It was all about fertility and midwifery and babies. And I just wasn't interested in that path. I'm interested in hormone balance throughout our whole lives. And I really truly feel women should be interested in their health and wellness besides when they're trying to get pregnant and having a baby. And that just wasn't the normal course 20 years ago for most women to think about it that way. So I've always been interested in perimenopause and menopause and hormone balancing. And as my practice grew in Massachusetts, I did focus on hormone balancing outside of fertility for different conditions like endometriosis and PCOS and perimenopause and stress management. And then when I had the opportunity to move to California and transition online, I decided I really wanted to retain this part of my practice. It was over 50% of my practice at that time. And I thought it would just be so great if I could just focus on the one area that I really love and I really like to sink my teeth into. And even though it's a, a a niche, we'll say, doing perimenopause and menopause, the symptoms that women have during this time of their lives are so varied that I do a lot of holistic medicine, even within this niche. We're still talking about stress management, sleep medicine, detoxification, gut health, and hormones. So I find it so interesting Beautiful um, to look at it that way. I have two questions. One is what's PCOS? 
PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So that is most women are younger when they're diagnosed in their teens or 20s. It's a difficult diagnosis, but it's a common cause for irregular periods and uh, infertility. A friend okay. of mine just got diagnosed with that and they immediately wanted her to have surgery in June to have a full hysterectomy. Hmm. What What are your thoughts about that? Should I send her to you? <laughs> uh, that's It has a lot to do with uh, inflammation, blood sugar metabolism, testosterone levels. It's, it's actually considered a, a certain, in some circles, a, a different presentation of a diabetes type. Uh, metabolism. Uh, wow. There's a lot. There's a lot involvement of about blood sugar and insulin levels that uh, contribute to the development of PCOS. Oh mm. So it's it's a systemic. Right I would let her know. Issue. Huh. So my second question was. Um, she didn't answer both of mine, but you go, Lori, and then we'll start. Oh, I, I still I'm got sorry. it out here. I've got okay. it. Totally oh, fine. Okay. I'm just teasing. Mine is going to be about what government regulations, like uh, you moved to California and now you do uh, telemedicine. And I know that during COVID, a new law was passed that made doctors have to get licenses in every state that, that they practice medicine in that they're not residents of, because that happened to my doctor. And um, yes. that was like some new way of controlling the fact that Okay, they put us on into this crisis, and now we're in this crisis, and we're all online, and now you're going to be limited in what you can do based on what state you're living in and where you're licensed. So how did that affect you? This is just a sort of side political question that I have. It is a, it is a wonderful, a great question that people should know the answer to, though, and know what's going on. Uh, so I'm licensed in California, and I reside in California, so I can see uh, California residents no problem. I'm in the process of getting my Massachusetts license. Obviously, I was there for 16 years. I have a lot of patients that live in Massachusetts. Other than that, there are actually a lot of states where they don't have any licensing for naturopathic doctors. So those people are kind of left in the gray area. So they do need to see someone out of state anyway. So I can consult with them. If there's a, a patient in a state, uh, say, for example, Oregon, I have a patient that lives there. That's a state where I would normally have to have an Oregon license if I was going to see them or if they were going to see me online. But for them, I focus on being a consultant. So I don't order labs for them. So I'm not attempting to diagnose them. So I'm a nutritional and herbalist consultant for them and not Got their it. doctor. And then I have a lab service that um, is able to order labs for patients in any state. So I have the labs done through that other service with another doctor ordering them. And then I use okay. the results to help. I just, I mean, I ran into that. So I ran into that because yeah. my, my doctor moved from California to Florida and he could practice with me as much as he wanted. And then all of a sudden he wrote to me and he said, I can't practice medicine in Arizona. And I was like, get out of here. But recently he got his license, but that's how I know about that. Wow. And I feel like that was just another government ploy. Um, and to go into our conversation that we were having a little bit before the show, I mean, it really, it primarily hurts people in rural areas and that aren't on the East and West Coast, where most most of those states have naturopathic doctors, holistic practitioners, and licensing. Wow. Yeah, something to note, just something to note. So tell, uh, oh, 
Jen, second question. It was in the second question. Yeah, go was uh, the women that come to see me. So yeah, what are they? What do they come to see you for, and what do you wind up treating them for? Yeah. Well, that yes, that was not always the same answer. Right. So I see a lot of women in their 40s and 50s, mostly uh, professional women that have been going on uh, through their 30s and 40s, like not many you know, issues or hiccups, but then all of a sudden their 40s and 50s are starting to have varied symptoms that they think may be hormone related, such as gradual weight gain or headaches, their periods changing or becoming heavier or, or different timing, hot flashes mood changes. So a lot of the symptoms that we talk about that we think may be hormone related, that's where women start to see me for. But what we actually end up working on a lot of the time are some of the, the next layer, the underneath that's causing all those symptoms, which tend to be more systemic imbalances like insulin sensitivity and blood sugar and metabolism or histamine tolerance and allergies how stress is affecting their body because they may come in and tell, they usually tell me initially that their, their mood has changed and since they turned 40 a year ago and they feel like they have a shorter fuse, but then when we start talking and they think it may be hormone related, which it can be, but then when we start get really diving into it and talking about it, it's kind of started eight years before with a job change and then taking on, you know, caretaking for their parents and we start seeing the effect of the stress and on their lifestyle, um, hectic lifestyle on starting to make subtle changes. And then the hormones changing is kind of like the last drop in the bucket that makes it all kind of happen really fast in three months, mm. symptom wise. Um, so it, it gets really deep. I mean, most women come in to see me for some of the physical symptoms, like hot flashes in the middle of the night or bloating and waking, but we end up treating the underneath. Interesting. Boy, I wish I knew you. I know, right? I just can't, you know, when you were starting, that's when I was needing. So I, I lived through it all. And I, you know, it's just like, sometimes I hear things like this, and I get mad. <laughs> I don't have bad moods anymore. So I don't get that mad. But um, <laughs> you don't want to kill anybody. <laughs> I don't want to kill anyone really, now. Really trying to get the word out about perimenopause because when I started yeah. I mean in my practice and talking about menopause a lot of women were thinking the five years after they stopped having periods and then they'd come in to see me and they'd you know, tell me all the things that they went through and now they want to help they want help with menopause which I there's still lots of things I could help with in their health and gut health and memory but really perimenopause is a process that can last up to seven or even 12 years in some women. So approaching wow. perimenopause really helps the menopause change to be more uneventful, we'll say. So wow. that's why I'm really trying to get the word out about the changes that are happening in our 40s. By the time you have your first hot flash at 51, the hormones have already been changing for seven years. And now it's just the tail end of it. But there are things you can still do. I started in my 40s. I, I When I worked at Landmark, when you first met me, Jen, I used to have a fan in every color to match every single outfit that I had. And I had dip fans in in every suitcase. I mean, briefcase. So that I just would have, you know, my... <laughs> I have one hanging off my chair from when it's actually from South Carolina when I went. It's like a saw. It's made out of this grass. But I... 
specifically have it here for the hot summer days when I have a hot flash. Yeah. yeah. They lasted forever. I think my hot flashes lasted. They've it's going on twenty years. So yeah. I I understand it's it's amazing. It makes me jealous, but I'm really happy there's progress. You know, like I feel like my life and my talking about it has helped so many people just know that you can talk about it. For example, I tell women that I don't own a turtleneck. Well, first of all, I live in Arizona, so you don't need a turtleneck in Arizona, but I travel, you know, to Iceland or I travel to wherever where for work. And um, I would never own another item of clothing that I can't quickly get out of, zip or unbutton um, when I'm, you know, on the road. Because I remember being in a turtleneck somewhere. I was consulting in uh, Raleigh-Durham. And I remember the person driving the car. I said, pull the car over. He was like, why? I was like, I have to take this raincoat off. I have to get out of this turtleneck. And he was like, you're going to strip on the side of the road. And I was like, I am. <laughs> I'm going to do that. I can't stay in these clothes for another minute. So. You had another question, right? Or I. No, I. Oh. I no, I. Well, I wanted to know what was what's one of the most um, interesting or challenging cases that you've had to deal with? Oh, I, I that's a tough question. Mm. A really tough question. I find the most interesting cases to be the patients that I've worked for many, many, many years and seeing their progress and how things evolve and now that I've been practicing a long time and focusing on perimenopause, I find it interesting seeing the patients that are coming to talk to me about perimenopause when I saw them 15 years ago for fertility or PCOS. And it's interesting to me to see how their like health has progressed, but then also how some of the underlying hormone imbalances of their initial like concerns play out in perimenopause because perimenopause is the time when in general one of our hormones called progesterone is lowering over the course of those five to seven years but estrogen can go up it could go down it could stay the same it could do lots of different things and a lot of it has to do with our genetics and our metabolism and stress levels and it's interesting for me to start seeing more women that I had seen a decade ago and knowing their patterns then and seeing how their patterns are translating into perimenopause because it could go all over the place but I'm starting to see more patterns so I think that's more interesting um I'm not necessarily fascinated by like medical oddities or, or strange things like because again I'm more focused on health than disease right. so the you know the the weird cases aren't really sticking in my head right now, but well, I like what, to see. I really like to have a relationship and see people throughout many years. I have a question. Thank you for that answer, by the way. So, about what age? And I know you can't you can't be specific. So let's talk about the distinction between perimenopause and menopause. Because when you were talking about weight gain and memory loss, I was like, dang, I should come see you now, even though I'm through menopause and I actually. I don't eat dairy because I'm it doesn't agree with me, but I gained a lot of weight around my belly and I switched over to taking a prebiotic and probiotic and that made all the difference in the world. And I do that on an empty stomach in the morning. I don't know if what's in there is regulating my blood sugars or what have you, but 
I thought, my, I have to go see Dr. Tracy. However, it just struck me, do people know? Because we do have that menstruation conversation and we do talk about fertility, you know, and I think, Laura, you're of the same ilk, you know, 40 years ago when my girlfriends were talking about having babies, I never wanted my own kids. I never thought about getting married. I never thought about having babies. I was such the oddity. And like, well, why aren't you married yet? Why don't you have kids? I'm choosing no. And it seemed like such a um, stigma to not to be a woman and not want to have kids. And then sometimes it has in the past, not really now that I'm older, to not have kids or grandkids to talk about because that's a lot of what the conversation's around, you know? So anyway, I was thinking maybe people don't know the distinction between perimenopause and menopause. So love to know that. Yes, there is some confusion over that. And um, and sometimes, women, again, sometimes women aren't paying too much attention to some of these changes if they're not trying to get pregnant or purpose, purposefully trying not to. They're, they're kind of just going about their busy lives, not really paying attention to their periods that much or their cycle. Or they could be taking the birth control pill or have an IUD that's disrupting their, hiding their cycle anyway. But medically, menopause is technically only one day of your life. It's the day, which I know no one. What? My, I like we had this incredible blank, look. It's a blanket term to describe 20 years of your life, but it's really one day. It's the day that's been a year since your last period. So that's technically the pause, which kind of makes sense now with the name of menopause being really describing a short period of time. So that is menopause that day. Anything after that is post-menopause which kind of, you know, in popular culture, we call menopause as like the rest of your life, the 30, 40 years, whatever. So uh, perimenopause is the time before that menopause day. So that's in our, usually for most women, can be as early as their late 30s, but in their 40s and early 50s, leading up to that last period. Got it. And there's actually more hormone changes going on in the perimenopausal time than menopause. But the menopause transition, the six months leading up to that last that day that's called menopause is when we think of the classic symptoms, hot flashes and weight changes. And then after in postmenopause, that's where your hormones aren't changing as much, but it's more about having your body adapt to the levels of hormones that it has, mm. which has a lot to do with our liver and gut health which may bring it back to why the probiotics are helping you. Huh. That was great. That Very was a great interesting. Question. That yeah. was a great question and a great response. Um, wow. There's so much here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so much here. Um, can you speak a little bit about bioidentical hormones? Boo. Yes. <laughs> I love them. You hate them? Well, well. before you answer, Dr. Tracy, I'll tell yeah. you why. And I could just be misinformed. So when mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with breast cancer, it was uh, estrogen positive. And for years, the doctors had wanted me to be on a hormone replacement therapy. And I said, absolutely not. Because my mom was on Premarin. I'm like, it's pregnant mare's urine. No, thank you. Not putting other crap in my body. And when I was diagnosed out of the blue and talked to my doctor, I said, well, would that have helped? He goes, no, that would have been like pouring gasoline on fire. It would mm. have actually made things worse. 
So I have not even ventured into bioidentical hormones because I'm like, well, what if that's pouring gasoline on fire and I'm already on the synastrozole and how does it all work together? So that's why I said, boo, I could okay. be completely misinformed though. Let's find out. Let's find out. Back okay. to you, Dr. Tracy. So, <laughs> so when you're looking at bioidentical hormones, so bioidentical means that the hormone is identical to the hormone that your body would produce on its own. So identical to the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, or other hormones, because there are other ones that we use bioidentically that are the same as you would create on your own and act the same in your body as, as if you made it. We've mentioned primer in a couple of times, so I just wanted to say that that is not bioidentical, even though technically natural, because it was made from horse urine, but it was not bioidentical to what women normally make in the dose or the type of estrogen or how we processed it. So that's why I had so many complications and um, issues. So Primarin is not bioidentical. There are synthetic hormone therapies that are still used that aren't Primarin. That's more analogous to a birth control pill or the hormones in an IUD or even some estrogen patches that are used for menopause now are synthetic. So you always want to ask if it's synthetic or bioidentical. But bioidentical is, like I said, identical to what we make on our own. And is, I will say, usually, if it's correctly prescribed, it is prescribed in a dose to mimic what you would be making or should be making on your own for your age. Meaning when you prescribe a bioidentical estrogen a woman that's 55, you're not trying to get them to be at the level of estrogen that they would have had at 25. You're trying to get them to a level that's helping symptoms uh, like hot flashes and memory potentially, or bone preserved bone density, but not to be at a level where they're actually going to be ovulating. So it's supposed to be identical in structure and identical to what your body should have as a replacement, not amping you up to some other level. So that's one of the issues I do see with some bioidentical therapies when you're looking at testosterone therapy in both men and women. It's usually not dosed to be age appropriate. Um, so bioidenticals can be used well if they're prescribed well, and they do work for some symptom management. The other, the other piece for bioidentical estrogen is we are starting to have more research using it now that we've like you know, started to get back into researching hormones in women. And there, more recent research is showing that even if women aren't having dramatic hot flashes, which is usually the symptom that estrogen replacement is prescribed for, there could be some advantages in the first three to five years of menopause for women to use bioidentical estrogen if they have a high risk of dementia and Alzheimer's or osteoporosis in their family because you can preserve bone density through that hormone change with using bioidentical estrogen. And then there's some studies showing that using appropriate levels bioidentical estrogen in the first three to five years of menopause can cut the risk of hereditary dementia by 80%. Oh, wow. So there's some reasons to consider it. Um, you know, obviously you have to weigh benefits and risks and, you know, previous history like breast cancer and ovarian cancer too. So it's always a balance of pros and cons when you're looking at bioidentical therapy. 
in my practice, I do use bioidentical hormone therapy, but usually not the hormones that people think. It's usually not estrogen or progesterone. I'm usually prescribing for precursor hormones that are further up the system that are more helping replenish the whole system because they're safer to use like DHEA or pregnenolone, because then your body naturally changes them into progesterone and estrogen and testosterone if you need to, versus externally putting like estrogen in like in a patch. I, um, my first naturopath 15 years ago told me that um, even if there was a risk of cancer, if you had blood tests more frequently, when you know there's a risk of cancer, you do you do more regular blood panels to make sure that the markers aren't showing up so that so bioidentical hormones could be used safely, she said, if you test more frequently. That's that was my understanding. So I actually I don't have um I ha there are some cancers in my family not related to hormones that I know of, but still I test three times a year instead of two times a year just to be on the safe side. That's what I do. So you're on bioidentical hormones. Yeah, I've been on, I started on bioidentical hormones, not when I thought I was going through, which now isn't going through, it's one day, but um, <laughs> to be stand corrected. But I started um, when I was 59 on uh, pregnenolone drops. And then I progressed to cream i use biased and testosterone cream and i use uh and i take progesterone pills now i don't take pregnenolone anymore i also take other things i mean i'm into super longevity so i also take things like simorlin which signal the body to make human to let to release human growth hormone into the system because my pituitary gland doesn't want to release it anymore things like that i take some i also take metformin and i'm not diabetic so i do a regimen of other things some that i go to the doctor and i say i want this but um but i didn't learn that if you have if you're if you stay on top of it and you're you're diligent about it that you could pick something up if something goes really wacky and I think that's an important point that, and I was saying, like, appro you know, prescribing bioidenticals in the appropriate way, manner, and the appropriate dose, but the follow-up and testing is really key as well. So making sure that the hormones are balanced and so doing saliva tests to look at tissue levels of hormones, and then, like you said, blood tests, looking at cancer markers, and staying more on top, knowing that potentially using these hormones could increase the risk in one area as long as you're doing the preventative testing the risk isn't increased yet. You're, you're being more preventative about it. And I think that's one of the advantages we'll see in the next 10 years or so as we have more research coming out, because now we know we're starting to see some of that newer research come out as far as, like I said, osteoporosis and Alzheimer prevention. And it adds more pieces to the puzzle for women to make that decision of if they want to use hormones or not and how to go forward with it. But again, doing it in a seven minute visit and then not following up or having any testing for two years is not the way to go. So definitely see a functional practitioner that's going to spend the time and weigh the pros and cons with you and figure out your dosing. I think that's an issue too with the bioidentical hormones because 
they are bioidentical and your body processes them naturally. It's not like dealing with a pharmaceutical or a chemical based medicine that it goes through your liver and your system, you know, this pretty much the same way for everybody to track dosing. So it's more, you know, complicated for the doctor or practitioner to manage and not to, you know, poo-poo our conventional system too much, but it's just not set up for if you're if you're out anywhere outside of the norm to get you know what you need. So oh, poo -poo. I think really having we a should, practitioner to work with. We should poo away. Oh, in, in many cases. If you get a quadruple bypass, definitely go to that. Like that's where they're exactly <laughs> right. Right. Well, I think managing these hormone imbalances and in you your specific liver genetics is not what they're going no. to do. But I think you answered a question that was top of mind. And I also wanted to restate that statistic that you had about preventing hereditary or hereditary dementia by 80%. That's my grandmother died of dementia. My great aunt had Alzheimer's. That's like my worst nightmares to wind up. And there have been times where I'll think about somebody and for the life of me, I cannot think of their name. And I'm like, is this hormones or is this dementia? Like, how do I know, you know, kind of thing. So should go see Dr. Weiss and find out. But my question was going to be, do you have, and I think you're going to say no, suggestions of <laughs> supplements people should take because it's good for any woman or are you, would you say no, you got to come see me, go see somebody and then keep testing and keep following up? Yes, I definitely have to say I can't give any blanket recommendations, yeah. even if something that would seem like innocuous like vitamin C, I can't say oh, everyone should take vitamin C because someone with esophageal cancer or ulcers shouldn't or diarrhea or colitis or or a corn allergy or there's so many you know it seems so innocent and I see this with patients a lot like they just start adding things into their regimen because it's natural it's perceived as safe but there's so much more that goes into it so it's hard to give uh, more blanket recommendations um, besides water, sleep, and meditation, maybe, and walking, all of a sudden, <laughs> not as harder than taking a pill. That's um, good. But, but that's good. You I have love to... my medicine. There's so many options, but it's, you know, really tailored to the individual. You yeah. have to play it safe. I just want to say, uh, Jen, I just, I'm listening to Tony Robbins' new book, Life Force, mm. and he has a he has a set of clinics now where you can take Te three tests, the the three most feared things, Alzheimer's, cancer, and heart disease. And they give you a battery of tests, and then they tell you what you're genetically predisposed to, which of those things. And there's a and they're early testing, so there are things that you can do about it. I think it costs an arm and a leg, twelve grand. But um, yeah. I'm not a big fan of Tony Robbins, but yeah. Yeah, to me, it doesn't matter. Like, he's actually been very radical in in all of this. I wasn't a big fan of his, but I'm listening to this, and he's super radical, more radical than some of the people I've been hanging around with for the past 10 years or 12 years. So, wow. He, I mean, Check anyway, I just say that there's a, there's a place where you could get tested for these things to decide so you know where you're more predisposed for these things, the big three. Yep. Well, it's weird that we, we're almost, excuse me, time's almost up. So Amanda, Dr. Tracy, is there anything we haven't asked you that you think would be really important for the women listening to this podcast to hear? 
I think really just getting the message across to know that perimenopause and these menopause changes happen earlier than you think. And a lot of other symptoms may be related that you might not realize. So if you are noticing symptoms that aren't quite adding up, like slowly gaining weight without a change in diet or exercise, or all of a sudden you start waking up at 2 a.m. every night for no reason, or you're starting snap, you know, snapping at your kids, even if they're being like as annoying as they used to be and used to be able to handle it, like those subtle changes, it, it may be some of those perimenopause and hormone levels changing and to see a functional practitioner to get them tested and see how you can balance them. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be on hormone therapy. And the second thing I would say just as a caution is not to get on or take any hormones or any hormone therapy without having your levels tested first. Hmm. So good. That's really, really smart. Good. So how, let our let our listeners know how they can reach you, how they can get in touch with you and find out more if they'd like to see you. Sure. My website is dramandatracy.com and I can be found on social media at Amanda Tracy N D. N D. N as in Nancy, D as in David, not M as in yeah. Moses. <laughs> yes such a great conversation today so important i think uh we should run this in september for ovarian cancer awareness month because i think it if we can and combine it we could do a piece with me on ovarian cancer signs and symptoms i think that would be super important or october around best breast cancer awareness because i think it all kind of it's all it's all connected it's all connected. It's all connected. Awesome. Wonderful. No objection. Okay. Yeah. Thank Amanda, you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so much. Us. I love your, your questions. They were very insightful. And I can tell that you really care with your questions. Definitely. We do. For sure. All right. Well, this is us. Myself, Lori Handlers, and my partner in crime here, Jen Koken, thanking you, Dr. Amanda Tracy, and signing off for Power Suits to Pillow Talk. That's a wrap on another inspiring episode of Power Suits and Pillow Talk. We hope that our conversations continue to enlighten and encourage you on your journey of self-discovery and empowerment. Remember, there aren't any limits to what you can achieve, be it in your career or your personal life. I'm Jen Koken, and my amazing co-host is Lori Handlers, reminding you to keep smashing those ceilings and debunking those taboos. Until next time, keep dominating the boardroom and owning and taking up space in the bedroom. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour.